You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made-in-America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in there. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days? How many days a week do you spend out there? As much as I can, to be honest with you. Any time that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. 
I'll tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs>
Go to southernhoundhunting.com. Get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. What are you? What are you drinking, Josh? Are you drinking beer? Are you drinking? I'm drinking beer fruit? now. I'm not drinking the double oaked yet. Yeah. I was gonna because yeah. I was gonna open the double oaked, but then you were 30 minutes getting the podcast started, and if I'd have been drinking it the whole time, you'd have just been like, I'd have been drooling on myself, and I, it would have been good. Was that <laughs> like maybe your I should part- pace myself? Was that like your parting gift from your brother? Since you're- oh no. Huh? No, my, my brother wouldn't give me that good a parting gift. That stuff's like 80 bucks a bottle. Oh, and, oh well, how long? <laughs> but how long have you been working for him? Uh, 15 years. I got, a, I got a brand new Chevy truck as a parting gift. Hey. Not, brand, not brand new. It's like a 20, 2020. Yeah. My yeah. brother's helping me build a dog box, so that's like some nice sibling. That's pretty good. Nicety. Yeah. I made my brother like... Lie to your friends, not this, Josh. We all know that Jeremy's the brains of that operation. And he you gave just, you, you one truck. Tr- one truck. Yeah. yeah. He gave one me truck. a lot more than that. Yeah, he, he, I did all right. <laughs> 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 I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Uh, yeah, so you're... you're when this podcast comes out, it's going to be your first day. You want to make the announcement on the podcast? Uh, yeah, can. Because it'll be out. This will be, this is coming out November 8th. I just hope yeah, it's not a bad That'll be my omen. first day. That'll be my first day with Joy Dog Food. I hope it doesn't you, curse what's, you. <laughs> what is, uh, yeah. What is the official title for you at Joy Dog Food? Uh, sales manager, regional sales manager, I believe. Yeah. We're kind of, it's kind of, we're kind of under the gun here for, you know, everything was just got put together so quick. And so we're still, we still got a lot to do this week before everything gets sorted out with the joy stuff. But yeah, it's good. Looks like it's going to be fun. Yeah. You yeah, get, it should be. Whoa. You get to travel the country and have your dogs with you and hunt at night, work during the day. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah. How's it's going to be a lot keep of work. beating on the table. Oh, you you're you were yelling at who were you yelling at the other day? It was Finley. Finley is Jed. like he's doing like he's doing a tap dance on the table. I mean, it's all the time with him. You yeah. gotta watch him. Yep. Yep. No, what are you drinking tonight? What is that? What do you think, Chris? It's your most hated beverage. I can't see it. Oh, that's that cow piss beer. Yeah. Yeah, it's the good spotted stuff. cow. Yeah. That doesn't look see, it's even got some coming out of where it's Oh, that's the state of Wisconsin. It just looks like a piss puddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like the logo on this can, um, you guys are listening. You can't. You can't watch a podcast. I'd like to point that out to our listeners. Don't. Yeah, we're not. That, that's going to burst some bubbles right there. <laughs> we're not watch, Joe Rogan. <laughs> can't watch a podcast, not yet. Um, but there's this on this can of spotted cow. There's like a cow jumping over the state of Wisconsin, and the Wisconsin's kind of by her udder. So, you know. Chris, yeah. Chris does not agree is, with this beer. He does not like this beer. That's okay. It is think, way overrated. I think that beer is utterly fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's a dad joke right there. Oh. Yeah, I know. I wish I had a drum. Yeah. <laughs> you do. There, there you go. go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll tell you what, man. So, 
are you guys you guys are in full swing in deer season both places yep and that's what we're going to talk about tonight yeah i've been it, putting a lot of thought into this so have i about about this whole topic you yeah but i'm you worry me because i've been reading your messages and i don't know where you're going to fly off what rage you're going to fly off into right i now. don't think anyone knows where lauren's ever going to fly off to <laughs> that is why i am termed mother of chaos i will try and keep it reined in i know our our path here and i understand it um and uh i i know i work so hard for what i do and i i wanted to say that just give the uh the followers a little bit of a story over the weekend, my deep freeze went out in the basement and I don't know how long it had been out, but I had all my coon hides in there from last season and all my venison. And I opened it up and it was not yeah. good. Not good. Um, I was not able to salvage my venison, um, but I was able to salvage all but two hides. So, but I had to flush and stretch and put up, I think it was only 10 hides, um, but it was, it was not what I wanted to do over the weekend, but it kind of made So me when you, when you take your hides in, do you, you probably take in those old greasy things that still have like chunks eyeball and stuff hanging off of them, or do they look pretty good when you're done putting them up? When I take up, like when I put them up, like what do they yeah. look like? Yeah. Well, after I, you get done. Well, they're not like, you know, the masters that I've seen and I've watched and all that. And I, I don't have like the prime setup for flushing. Um, are you right using now. like your, are you using like your ironing board and a butter knife? <laughs> like kind of like the way you do everything else. Honestly, it kind of feels like it because I mean, what's, <laughs> what's more Lauren than a skinning the coon with a paring knife from your kitchen still. And using oh a oh, old, using an old flushing beam that was gifted to you <laughs> that you sit on a bench and you have to, the coon is up here and you have to pull down instead of pushing away from your stomach. I got to tell, I got to tell my freezer story. Um, <laughs> so no, there's no chunks of eyeball. There's no chunks of fat or anything. It's, it's was really hard for me to get kind of everything above um, the shoulders. It was really hard. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not doing. I'm not doing it to sell them. I'm doing um it just to get them tanned. So they they dry up just fine, and I'll send them out to get tanned, and I'll be. Fine. Yeah, it's good. They're worth hauling. Take them somewhere to get them tanned mm, or right. sell them. Right. What's your freezer story, Josh? Well, it would have been in seventeen, I think. We had a dog called uh, Fistful of Dollars. Which my brother never owned and, never heard of him. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. Dollar, no, yeah, Dollar go got ahead. sick as a five-year-old. He had got into some poison, we assume, while hunting. And he died as a, early. He'd won a lot of money. Dog was a good dog, but he died early at five years old. And we had done our best. We had spent thousands on this dog trying to get him healed up. And he didn't, he didn't heal up. He ended up passing. And so the morning, I went out to check on him. I found Dollar in his doghouse dead, and, and which was bad enough anyway. And I called Jeremy. Jeremy still owned half of him. I owned half of him. And I called my brother and I said, hey, Dollar just died. I said, we need to get him and get him buried, you know. And he says, uh, well, just put him in a freezer. 
like my guinea pig, like my mom did my guinea yes. pig. Yes, I had a big I had a big deep freeze. It was hot, but we were both super busy that day. We couldn't do it that day. We didn't want his body to go bad or anything, so I put him in the freezer. You guys have an excavating company. Yes, I know. We, we're aware. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, so he was in the freezer with a bobcat I had caught the fall before. Uh a few coon hides, not much, uh, some frozen ducks that I had used for training my lab and some odds and ends stuff, maybe a frozen pizza tossed on there somewhere, a party pizza. I don't know. <laughs> and so two, the three weeks go by extra flavor. Yeah. Two or three weeks go by and, uh, my son walks out to the kennels and the shed was right there and he opens the door of the shed and he goes, man, it smells like a mouse dead in here or something. I said, oh, kind of weird and i went in there and opened the freezer door just a little bit and it had quit obviously two or three days before that and, oh yeah so dollar god rest his soll pkc gold champion fistful of dollars dollars was buried freezer and all i took and i bolted the freezer down i self-tapped it down to where it couldn't open and me and a couple guys that worked for us loaded him into a truck drove him to jeremy's we buried the whole freezer with a track hoe He's got a casket, the whole works. He's in there with some game animals. It couldn't That's have like, turned out any better is, for Dollar. That is a sarcophagus. <laughs> that is a sarcophagus royal Exactly. Burial. Exactly. That is a royal tomb. That was yep. the first dog that I ever done any winning with in PKC. Well, he nice. Was, he yeah. was buried right, Josh. Good job. Exactly. That's what I thought, too. Did you make, go ahead and make a headstone for him and stuff? No, but we know exactly where he's at because we buried him right behind a pond that Jeremy was digging out with a traco. So we know exactly the location. Yeah. That is. We funny. were going to bury him on a hill next to Deuce and Suds and all these dogs of the past that Jeremy had owned that were great dogs. And Jeremy smelled the deal and said he wasn't taking it down to the kennels. And we're just going to bury him right here where the traco's at. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is a good spot. He'll have his own special spot overlooking the pond. He does. Beautiful spot. Yeah, I still go yeah. down there and take my hat off every now and then. Yeah, yeah. The things that uh. us houndsmen or trappers or whoever have in our freezers. Like yes, it's my mom really wanted to clean out like my upstairs freezer in my um, kitchen, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. You can organize it." She's going through there. She's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Oh, it's just a coon hide." She's like, "It's right next to your venison," and I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> so everything's frozen what's the exactly. problem the the, yeah, coon, I, the germs aren't going to jump no coon hunter or trapper or anybody worth the salt hasn't moved a coon hide out of the way to eat a burrito you got that right you got yep. that right i'm proud of it i'm i'll own it i'm cool with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah for you sure know? and i'm doing stuff with my hides and anyone who's freezing their hides too is doing stuff with them so all you can do is yep. that person you bet Yep. I don't think we got to introduce anybody if nobody's figured this out by now. No. You know, I think, I I think been, we're all I good there. I haven't been on one of these in a while. I've been. Oh, do you need introduced? No, I don't, but I'm just. Lauren saying. Branny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Don't use my pronouns. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I've just kind of been in the background, just slinking around doing backgrounds background work for y'all so it's i'm happy you bet we got a lot of cool stuff coming for houndsman xp but you know we've we've had some cool stuff going 
and and now we're getting ready to get some work and we're not going to let any of that out of the bag tonight i think what we're going to do tonight is like try to alienate ourselves as much as possible from the rest of the the hunting community that shouldn't be uh, too hard yeah if we haven't already yeah (laughs) and and start calling some people out because you know i spent my whole adult life and i've worked hard with the Hoosier Tree Dog Alliance and the Indiana Sportsman's Roundtable and different things like that. But, man, I'm going to tell you right now that that this deer hunting thing has taken on a whole level of stupidity and a life of its own with some of the, some of these guys. I mean, I, I know tons of coon hunters and houndsmen that deer hunt and they a majority run their of them do. And, I, I mean, you take you take you take somebody like Travis Holbrook. That guy's whacking one sixty bucks every year. Usually more than one. Danny Perez out there. I mean, he's a, he's a deer slayer. He's a killer. Stefan and, Lab. Yeah, Stefan Lab. Uh, Jason Bingham. I mean, you can make a list of all these guys. And and deer hunters act like we don't know what the heck we're talking about mm-hmm. when it comes to anything besides turning the coon dog loose. The deer Dick brothers. Dick are... brothers is always killing oh, big deer yeah. too. Yeah, world champion. World yep. champion. Which dog did he own that was a world champion, Josh? Was it Clay? Charlie Creek something. Tara? I don't know. One of them won it was a world. Tara. Yeah, it was Tara. Was it Tara? Yeah, it was yep. Charlie Creek Tara. something. Yeah. Yeah, and and Dick Brothers is a, I mean, he's. He kills some he's dogs. Got, he's got some Dog booners gear. on the wall. Yeah. He's serious. Serious. But, yeah, I think I've, I think I've figured part of it out. Okay. And the, the, the ants that, that, houndsmen raise or have they get the the deer hunters get all edgy about seeing a dog on their property you know we got cell phone cameras out there uh i've got a neighbor that's got he didn't even he didn't even buy cell phone cameras he just bought cell phone home security devices and he's got Mm -hmm. them posted all over his property and if anything moves across that property he knows about it and he worries about it, and he does all that. Oh, and I'm and, sure he's attached to his phone 24 seven. I don't know how he works. Yeah. I mean, he'll send me he'll send me videos of. I just got done installing a two thousand dollar underground fence around here to pin my dogs up so that they're not interfering. And it's the right thing to do if my dogs don't need to be on his place. I get it. I understand that, man. I really do. I don't want my dogs up there. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't hurt anything. It, oh, we're going to, are you going to crack the top of the double oak? I might. I think okay. I will actually. All right. It does, but it's, it's a preconceived, it's a, it's a notion that they it, have that it's an this old is going to wives tale is what it is. Kind of. It is. It is. It's something that. It's something that, that, that they perpetuated years ago whenever the outdoor industry first got big. You remember when the Outdoor Channel came out and, and, and Bill Jordan and Michael Waddell are killing these great big deer. And then all of a sudden someone chirps up about some dog running their deer off. And the next thing you know, it's the end of the world. Because in the 60s, 70s, uh, early to mid 80s, everybody had dogs. Everybody had, I'm just speaking for around here. And for most of the Midwest where I've traveled to, everybody Same had here. running dogs. Everybody had beagles. Everybody had a coon hound or two tied behind the back or behind the house that they just hunted during coon season. And they did that in the same places they deer hunt. But there wasn't so much emphasis put on 
uh, mature deer and some of these quality deer management association tactic or things that, that they, they conjure up that technically aren't really great for the deer herd. In my opinion, you know, they're just great to grow big horns on things, but, and, and all that stuff came about at the same time. And with it came this myth this legend that is no basis in fact whatsoever that that a hound on a property or a dog of any kind on a property is going to negatively affect your deer hunting and it's just not the case i mean we've got all kinds of studies that prove it now i mean it's just not the case yeah, yeah. the the famous study out of south carolina that we've cited several times yeah we were we were in a we were in a meeting with the hoosier tree dog alliance years ago and it was in the natural resources advisory uh, council meeting and we presented the study from South Carolina to show that there is no impact on running dogs and deer hunting and the state biologists in the state of Indiana challenged us on it you know my, my response to when they say oh we've got science on our side that says it does not affect it my challenge to deer hunters out there is show me your science that says it does. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And and now and now now I'm talking about when we're we're talking about how states write their regulations. I'm not talking about going on somebody's property without permission. In most states, is wrong no matter what. You know, mm -hmm. there's no there's no way around it. Now we're not going to dispute it. We need to respect landowner rights. I want people. I want to know when people come on my property, but. But when we're talking about state regulations and closing seasons down and this perception that, oh, we can't hunt during this time because it's going to interfere with the deer yeah. season in, in Wisconsin, is ludicrous. Yeah, in Wisconsin, we did. Um, I think it got a, got changed. I should have been more up on this. Um, in the northern half of the state, we had a leash lock law during the nine-day gun season. No. And I got to give kudos to the Missouri Department of Conservation because the they come under a lot of fire for certain things, but they are generally, not always, but generally so good about access for the minority hunters. And I'm talking guys that, that want to go squirrel hunting or rabbit hunting or, or coon hunting with hounds, you know, not the big, the deer hunters and the, and the turkey hunters, you know, they don't just cater to them. They do it to a point because that's where some of their bills are paid, I guess, but they do a really good job of making sure that the whole, and what I, I try to tell the deer hunters is the world don't stop just because it's deer season. You know, we, exactly like, we, right. we enjoy our sport just as much as you enjoy yours. We shouldn't have to stop for you. You shouldn't have to stop for us either. Uh, we should right. all be able to enjoy public land and Missouri has a lot of that. Uh, however we can do it and stay out of each other's way. But we can't just shut it down. The fact that Wisconsin basically allows or doesn't allow you to turn a dog loose. I know Illinois, I believe, has some of the same rules during gun season. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. positive on that, but I think there's a closed section during during the gun season where you can't turn a dog loose. I mean, it's ridiculous. We all pay our taxes. We all pay for our permits. We all should have, you know, equal access. Yep. And, and you bring up an interesting concept there about you know uh, dog friendly and and um season dates and and things like that it's got to the point where 
again, I, I spent my whole adult life working in the wildlife profession. I've been in meetings. I've been in, I know how those things get, how regulations are made, how, how they're formed and how they get pushed through and different things like that. And we've gotten to the point where, especially in the East, that we're neglecting this management of our small game species because there's, there's no money in it. There's no money in it for them. And, and so we've pushed everything to managing for a white-tailed deer and all the, all the while everything else is, is going to pot. I, I won't mention any names. Look at Massachusetts and what they did and how their small game population and they have the largest rabies outbreak. Right, right. Okay, so I I can not name names, but I know several biologists who work for the state of state in different states that say, "Man, I I just let me do wildlife management. I'm tired of doing deer management." Yeah. You know, they really do. They really do, but they get so much pressure that it's all all deer. And and don't get me wrong, I mean, in Indiana we had a and we still do the the Hoosier Tree Dog Alliance. I am very proud of the relationship that we've got with the Indiana Sportsman's Roundtable, the Indiana Deer Hunters, the Indiana Bow Hunters. Man, they used to buy uh, paintings for our banquets, and we would support their banquet and and you know sponsor prints and stuff back and forth. So it can be done, but it's not. The problem is, is the people that are running those organizations are hurting as bad for membership participation as every hound organization. You know, they got these fringe line guys that are plugged into the out outdoor hunting channels twenty four seven that that are buying this stuff hook line and singer. And I've got a, I've got a theory. I've got a theory on it. You want to hear my theory on why we, these guys? We get would so love tired? to. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter: boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whoo! They have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a Garmin and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. All right. So this is my theory. These guys spend thousands of dollars a year to kill. The deer hunters that are not hound hunters. Yeah. Yeah. The yep, deer yep. hunters, the we deer hunters spend here. thousands. I mean, and, and if you, that's the, besides the cost of the place to hunt, if you're leasing or you own the property, you know, in cell co- cameras and blinds and, and food plots that are only targeted to kill a deer and, and solar powered electrical stuff in there and Wi-Fi connectivity in there, you know, so they can update their Facebook friends and, and they've got to have the latest techno highest price clothing so they can look cool. So they spent thousands of dollars all year long. And then at the end of the year, when they don't kill a deer, 
they can't go back to their wife and say, I suck at hunting. So they've <laughs> got to have, they've got to have an excuse as to why they didn't kill a deer. That's it. That's my theory. Like, oh, I saw this dog on a trail cam once. Exactly. Man, I had a dog on my trail cam. That would have been the day the old mossy horns would have walked through. And and if it wouldn't have been for that guy that lives four miles away. I, and my question is, is who do they send who do they who do they complain to or who do they send pictures of the bobcats and coyotes that are on their property every day? Or wolves. Well, that's that's the other thing that I've always wondered about. All these guys that are complaining about a hound running across their property. It's a good thing they don't live where there's something that actually wants to catch and eat their deer. Yeah. And they blame coyotes. I know around here, it's all, we got to kill the coyotes. We got to kill the coyotes, the fawn killers. We got so many deer. It is disgusting. And it is their fault that we have all these deer. And now we have uh, diseases. We have all kinds of stuff running through it. And we got, we got the, yeah, we got, they, they won't shoot a doe. Uh, they set out here for our archery season starts September 15th. Uh, it ends, I believe, January 15th. And then uh, rifle season is nine days long. And then there's muzzleloader season. There's a alternative method season, things like that. And so there's basically four or five months of, of deer season. And our doe harvest is hardly nothing. I mean, it's the same as it was 30 years ago. And, yeah. and they absolutely won't, absolutely will not kill a doe. And so you get one guy who comes in here, which we live on the, on the, and also keep in mind, I have good relationships with a lot of these people. I'm not, I do too. I'm not a big fan of the practices and how they manage their property, but I also have good relationships and I understand they like their sport and I understand they're passionate about it and that's fine. But when you look at the science, the science says when a TV hunter, which is what we call them, the locals all call you guys TV hunters, by the way. If you show up with your big jacked up truck with Louisiana plates and it says buck hunter on the license plate, we make fun of you, just so you know. Uh, the, <laughs> the, locals, the locals don't like you. We're not big fans. And we think that's pretty douchey. We get the but, fibs. We get the fibs yes. up here in Wisconsin. Yeah, we get a lot of uh, the South and a lot of East Coast. Uh, you, you see a lot of New Jersey. You see a lot of Louisiana, Alabama. Mississippi. Uh, but anyway, I'm sure most of them are great guys. I don't know. I haven't met a lot of them, but they'll come up and say lease four or 500 acres and they will take off that four or 500 acres. If they're lucky, two or three guys, one or two bucks a year, never a doe. And the neighbor that's got 60, that's, that is actually eating the deer. He may kill two or three does or something like that, but he's not touching that 500, you know, and, and the deer just exploded. You know, and now, now you're looking at things where the MDC is, is going out calling, calling deer and shooting deer over bait piles and things like that because we're getting, you know, CWD and we're getting things like that that is, is starting to show up in Missouri and it's going to be in Iowa and it's going to be in all these states around here and it, we're going to have a trouble because we can't keep deer numbers down. And because they There's don't want to kill deer, they just want to kill big deer. They're not managing a species. They're essentially managing for large racks and that just doesn't make any sense to me you know you know there's a theory out there that cwd is actually an agenda that's being pushed by the anti-hunting crowd that's that is a theory and then i also know that the mdc makes all of their money well not actually in missouri but 
Missouri has a has a gas tax or a half cent sales tax or something like that that funds the MDC so they can stay pretty independent. But a lot of these conservation organizations and a lot of these deals are, are based on whitetail money. You know, mm-hmm. Iowa gets their oh, money. Yeah. Well, Iowa yeah. gets their money from whitetails. Indiana They're, would be broke without yeah, whitetail. Minnesota would be the same way, and they are scared to death of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they are wanting to shut seasons down, and they're wanting to basically wipe beer out to fix it. You know how often that CWD comes up in Wolf Talks here in Wisconsin? Yeah. I know Wisconsin. It's a CWD such a big talk all the time. Well, Wisconsin was a a hotbed when it all started. I mean, it was all trickled down from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of the first place that that anybody realized what it was. Wisconsin's actually a pretty daggone – cutting edge state when it comes to uh, wildlife management and some of the practices that trickle down to these other states. But, you know, it, the problem is, is you get, you get uh, people, you get a group of people who buy into the hype on media. I've killed deer every way you can kill them. And I've killed some decent deer. I mean, I've got a few 140 and up. 140, and I've killed them with stick bows. I've killed them with flintlock muzzleloaders. I've killed them with camouflage. I've killed them without camouflage. I've killed them from tree stands. I've killed them on the ground. You know, it's just, it's it's not an anomaly for me to go out and kill a deer. And um, the, th- the thing that I always wonder is if you take all the gadgets and you take all the hype away and you take take everything away from them, I want if you show me a guy that you could airdrop into the middle of the Mark Twain National Forest or the Hoosier National Forest or up there in Lawrence country and that 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 national forest and they can go in there and they can read sign and they can read cover and they can find a position and they can kill deer consistently that guy's a hunter not a manicured groomed golf course for deer hunting out here with concealed blinds and all this other garbage that's I mean, I'm not trying to try to and, to and divide. Yeah. I don't care how anybody kills a deer. Yeah. I hope they just kill them all. <laughs> I said the same thing the other day. <laughs> hey, we don't we don't um, advocate for the killing of an entire species. Let's just lay that out there. That was a <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, we do Lord, not want Lord. we do not want wild white tail deer to be extinct, but yeah. endangered. No, we still need to eat. We still need to, we still need to fill our freezers. Like I'm kind That's of pissed right. off that I lost my venison. That was what I was going to eat all winter. I don't. I prefer venison to beef. But kind of to bring it back to like the whole dog thing. Like I bet at least a quarter of our followers, like who are on Facebook, have seen like the meme, the picture, and I may be kind of exaggerating or, or changing the wording here, but if you can't kill a deer in the same woods that you're running dogs, the, the dogs aren't the problem. It's you. That's the problem. Or like yeah. you need to be a better hunter or whatever it is. Like for you guys, you guys have killed a lot of deer. Like you guys oh. have experience with that and all that. I have personally never killed a deer, but I also didn't get into hunting till a couple of years ago when I started with dog hunting and now I'm progressing. I did Turkey and now I sat for deer for the first year Um, but I've also been in the woods a ton and I also hunt the same woods 
that a lot of people deer hunt and I have permission to coon hunt at the same time that these people are archery hunting the same time that they're gun hunting. And I've have experience seeing deer, seeing how my dogs react to deer and then seeing what the culmination of that is. And these deer that get killed in the same woods that I'm coon hunting. Uh, you know, we, I think one, I think it's funny that Lauren put a break, put the brakes on a conversation. That was funny. Uh, <laughs> that don't happen often. No, no. no. Uh, but the other thing I, I do want to, you know, I, I want to make it clear. We have preached and preached and preached and, and begged people to learn how to bridge the gap with these other hunting we're, we haven't that, been we haven't been doing a very good job at that for the first twenty minutes of well, this podcast, Chris. <laughs> I, just, I know, but I, we, well, we're I, I know, that's we're that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. I am I'm expressing my frustration as much as anything, and I've worked around it my whole life. And when, when I was a game warden, you know, it wasn't uncommon for us to get out and do foot patrols and go through the woods and check deer hunters. And for every person that ever said, "I can't believe you're checking me," you you just you there's no way that I'm going to see any deer. I put I I push so many deer to people. I'd see them take off and boom around the corner. I'd hear the shot or over the around you know the next holler over. You go over there and some guy's standing there over a one hundred and fifties class buck, and I I watched it. I did it. I know what happens. Those bucks go into lockdown mode when people start getting out there. When it comes fall, the you know you always hear the stories about the farmers that are out there that like. You guys are all crazy. I, I see deer here every day in blue jeans and a Carhartt jacket. Yeah. And and I'm telling you, when a du when those deer, the weather starts changing and they start seeing weird objects and shapes in the form of camouflage moving through the woods, they know something's up and they start getting real weird acting. But this is this is what I want to make the plea to to our deer hunting friends out there who may have tolerated the first 20 minutes of this. This is a serious <laughs> conversation. I want you to think about something. When we come through there, if we do spook a deer on a piece of ground that you're deer hunting on, there's a reason why that deer wants to is is there. There's a reason why he's there. He needs food, he needs cover, and he needs a mate. Those are the three things that are drawing him to the place that he's at. If I walk through there and I happen to push him out of that bedding area or that area especially if he's tending does he's going to want to come back there especially at night that does not go at, far at night and and the best thing that could happen to me if i'm a deer hunter sitting on the edges of one of those bedding areas where those bucks move in there nocturnally and they lock down through the day Man, if I push him out of there in the middle of the night and he goes, he's going to want to come back in there and you're going to be sitting on your stand when he tries to do And he's going to want to come back in there at daylight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. And and it's that's the serious conversation I want to have about it and try I, to offer that olive branch out there. I, yeah, we're frustrated. I also have one thing to say, though, too, is a ruddy buck is a ruddy buck. And just because you've seen him on trail cams for two months, three months leading up to gun season or whatever it is, does not mean that he is still going to be there. 
You're exactly right. And any serious deer hunter will tell you that the most unpredictable deer to hunt is a rutting buck. Food source bucks that are moving to food source, you can pattern them. You can, you can, but once the rut starts, man, it gets wild. And stuff shows up in front of your stand that you never knew was on the face of the How earth, many people you have know? you talked to and they said, you know, I've never seen this deer before. You know, they're sitting over there, 165 inch, 170 inch deer. Like I've never seen this buck before. And then there'll yeah. be a neighbor three or four miles away. Yeah. I had that buck on camera all summer long. You know, these, these things move a long ways. Yeah. And I think, I think that it's a, it's a deal like we do it too as houndsmen. You know, we get stuck in our head that there's only one type of dog that works. There's only one breed of dog that does this. Or there's only, we do it too. There's only one type of of tracking system to use you know we we do the same thing in our hound hunting community we get tribalistic and we believe this stuff and and the thing is uh, hunting the hunting industry in general has gotten to the point where if somebody has a big name and they're naming deer on their cameras and stuff and then they see them on tv put that deer down or on a YouTube channel, they, they take that deer that was named and they watched it for three years and they've got his sheds from the previous two years and all this stuff. They think that's normal. And they think it's, it's their deer too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I just think, I think there's room here for a lot of understanding. It's easy for us to ask for it because we're the minority, but the other, the other thing that, that, we're all sportsmen out here and I think we get painted with a broad brush. A lot of times, one of the highlights of my hunting year is going to deer camp with my brothers and my nephews and stuff like that. That is one of the highlights of my hunting year. It's a tradition. Um, we still go to deer camp every year before rifle and none of us even deer hunt. I've never been invited. To we go, camp. we go, we go to deer camp. We play cards. We drink a there, few beers. There's a reason we grill, yeah, yeah, we probably. grill a few burgers, and then nobody wakes up in the morning and goes deer hunting. Yeah, and you know when I go to deer deer camp, I think last year I hunted for maybe forty five minutes yeah. total time. The rest of the time I was helping my nephews get their deer out, and I was cooking lunch, and I was doing all this stuff. It's tradition, and I get it, man. I love it. It's camaraderie. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. The, the awesome tradition stuff. isn't actually harvesting the animal. And I think that's something to point out. Like the tradition is like everything that encompasses it. It's not like, we, like tradition is not killing to us. I just want to point that out. And, and even at that, I'm, I mean, Josh, you're in a huge deer hunting area. I am too right here. Lauren deer hunting is, has always been huge in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a culture, but man, I know guys that, that put their, their hounds up for the first week of, of, uh, deer season because either they're deer hunting themselves or, um, they just give it a break. You we, know, like, we, let, we let usually do, have it. we usually, we have a nine day gun season and from that opening Saturday to the next Sunday, most of the time me and pretty much everybody I know and everybody that I hunt with doesn't coon hunt. And, well, and part of that, not- part of that is because some of it were deer hunting, but part of it is because we, and we've spoken illy or ill about a few deer hunters here, but we hunt a lot of deer hunters ground. A lot of deer hunters mm-hmm. that are great guys that allow us to deer, allow us to coon hunt 
all year long and will only come in here for that nine days of gun season. And we appreciate that. And we're courteous enough to, of course, we're not going to hunt that nine days. I mean, you give us 300 and some plus days a year. I mean, that nine days is no big deal. Yeah. Right. It's total respect. Right. And if someone yeah. asks me like, Hey, just don't hunt during this, the gun season. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Like yeah. I'll respect you. But at the same time, I also like educate them a little bit too. Yeah. Um, and there's spots that I can go during the gun season, um, and still be fine. Um, where people still hunt. Um, but the guys that do put their dogs up, like while they're deer hunting, it's because they're living, breathing, eating deer hunting during that time. And there's like no other, like you can't, you know, wake up at four in the morning, five in the morning and go deer hunt, do your whole job and then go run dogs at night till midnight. Like you got, you know, everybody's got a life. You got to yep. sleep a little bit. Yeah. And deer hunting is a, is a deal. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather get a call in the evening to go help a buddy track a deer during that, during, especially right now. I mean, our, our archery season's in full rut right now. It's a beautiful time to be in the woods, honey. It's you, um, I'd rather get a call right now from a buddy saying, Hey man, I need help tracking a deer. than go turn my hound loose right now. Yep. I mean, I love, I love turning those hounds loose, but at the same time, man, it's, it's not all one-sided. And I think a lot of times deer hunters think that that's all we think about. And, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to make this podcast. We had some laughs and we pick probably picked some fights and made some enemies, <laughs> but, but what a lot of people don't know about is we used to live and breathe and eat nothing but archery deer hunting. We Me had a, we had an archery shop. We shot indoor. We shot 3D leagues. We worried about, and we still coon hunted. But I shot a lot of good deer with a bow. I've shot a lot of good deer with a rifle. Uh, my boy still does it. I still go out deer hunting with my son. But when it got to be a competition, you know, amongst, amongst friends where I, I didn't, I wasn't as intrigued as much, but a lot of that is, is still what it is. And now we compete with, with our dogs, so I can't be critical, but these guys are going to say that. Yeah. I, these, call yeah, you out on that. yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a competitive guy and I love to compete with the coon dogs, but deer hunting was not that for me. And it is for some people, you know, and that's mm -hmm. fine. I don't care why somebody wants to hunt or anything like that, but they also have to realize that, deer hunting isn't the only game in town. I mean, there's other yeah. people that, that like their sport and like their, their hobby just as much as that. So mm -hmm. all I'm asking for is a reasonable conversation and be objective mm -hmm. about it on both sides. I get just, uh, and I'll say this, I get just as frustrated when somebody from front that is a houndsman or a hound hunter that says, Oh, you can't work with those deer hunters. All they yeah. ever think about is themselves. That is that is baloney. Or, you know, I can name I can name names in yeah. the state of Indiana that have stepped up and helped us make sure that we had longer running seasons because we worked with them and we 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 found common ground and so it's out there. I'm just asking for these, and I'm not talking about your mainstream guys that are really out there putting their time into managing resource and making sure hunting regulations are right and working in those. I'm talking about these guys that are fringe that spend all their waking hours looking at YouTube and looking at their cell phone game cameras. That's who I'm talking to. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about personal experience and, and you talked about like, Oh, like these guys that, you know, say this and do this, like, Another thing that irks me is houndsmen 
or um, partners, wives of houndsmen that um, harp, this is a personal experience of mine, harp on other houndsmen saying, hey, you can't go back to that property. You can't have your dogs out and run around in the afternoon just to hang, you know, get some exercise because we, we want to see deer on Thursday or whatever it is, you know? And like, I kind of want to talk about my experience with deer and hounds, what I've seen with deer and hounds and how I train my dogs or break my dogs so that we don't have any problems. I think we need to kind of talk about that part of it too. I have no idea where you're going, so you might as well just jump in. <laughs> okay. So, you know, like all these, these deer hunters think that us houndsmen are going to ruin their hunt, right? Okay. We're hunting at night. <laughs> you can't shoot an arrow at night. You can't shoot a gun at night. And if you do, you're a poacher. Yeah, you people. can. I've got, I've met several people that tried. Yeah, I'm going with that. I'm saying if I've never, I've never done that. And that's illegal. And we do not condone that. Um, and oh, when I'm when I met them, Lauren, they they usually didn't really want to meet me. <laughs> they were running I'm talking away. about my my former life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've, they I've were the guys several. that were like spotlighting deer in fields. Oh yeah, yeah. Shooting yeah. from go ahead. Truck, I'm sorry. Shooting from the truck on the road. The all just bogus stuff that no hunter, no ethical hunter should ever do. That's right. Um. So my personal experience on the farm I live on, I live on 80 acres. I live on a, a very busy intersection of two state highways. So there's always dump trucks, semis, Jake breaking horns, um, lots of noise all the time. It's never quiet except for like three in the morning. Um, and then I run my dogs with the four wheeler pretty much every day. And I go to the top of the hill and they run around and my dog scent is everywhere on the property. Okay all the whole year. And one Saturday, I think it was last year, um, the, the, uh, one of the people that hunts the land saw on my Snapchat that I was up there with my dog and flipped their lid. It was like a three o'clock on a Saturday or something. I don't know. Maybe it was a weekday. I don't know. And I had had a rough day and I just wanted to go up there and just hang out with my dogs like I do every day. And they're like, are you going to ruin everything? I'm like, this is normal. This is the pattern that everything's used to. I do this all the time. Like nothing, you know, anyway. So that happened. And um, they, uh, I respected them for a couple months. And I said, okay, well, I'll just keep them to the bottom field. So then I was coon hunting a couple weeks ago and I was back there. I had three dogs out and I see this buck. I'm just standing in the soybean field. My dogs are kind of outside, like on the edges of the, the perimeter of the property. And I see this buck in my headlight or my spotlight, my headlamp, whatever it is. And it's an 11 point buck. I'm like, this thing's huge. And I'm like, how are my dogs, like, how did they not see this thing? So I'm like, you know, shining and I'm taking a cell phone video and all this stuff. I'm like, man, this is super cool. He like bounds across the soybean field up. And then I find him bedded down like a couple different times. And that buck never left 150 foot or 150 yard radius. And the last time that I videoed him, my dog. I wish people could see all the hand motions while we're having this. 
<laughs> this is like too much talking. People are going to get annoyed. I know I'm telling like way too long of a story. But the last time I saw him, my dogs were 10 feet from him on a fence line. And that buck was just walking like behind. They the don't. Yeah, out. they just don't care. And my dogs never ran that deer. And that's because in the off season, when it's not hunting season, I will set my dog up for success or failure, whatever you want to call it, and break them off of deer. And I was also hunting the other night, and I saw uh, three deer on a ridge, um, just like in at the top of a draw. And Ridge was out hunting, and I called him back to me, kind of. I don't know. I was like, eh. But he was coming back and he perpendicular crossed where those deer had been for probably 20 minutes and crossed their tracks and came to me and didn't even hinder from his tracks. Well, I think, I think, I think one of the perceptions that you're describing is as, as easy as it is for us to make assumptions about if, if we weren't deer hunters, we could make all kinds of assumptions about what they think and, and all this stuff. Um, but they have a perception of what hunting with hounds is, and they think it's this one big free for all where there's no stops or breaks or, uh, anything like that. And they just don't understand it and they can't fathom that we don't, if we're out there coon hunting, we don't want to chase dogs that run deer. No, nope. uh, we spend a lot of time and a lot of money and, uh, well, I know, I know Josh, <laughs> I know you're. You're hunting those spotted dogs that, you know, as long as they can run a deer and fall off on a coon. But now you're under the leash lock starting November 1st, and it's going to change your life. So, Which is good. Uh, we, don't, we don't want the leash lock. We don't. Now, I will say that pretty much all of my dogs at one point, or still until the day that I will bump a deer every now and then. Hey, I got the trashiest plots this summer. Yeah, I mean, I, Duds is 10. And I promise you, he will still run a deer. But we were talking, Lauren's talking about her dogs being on the same property all the time and, and, and things that's, that's normal and routine. Uh, on my property, I have dogs running loose constantly. I either have pups, I have blue, I have Jace's squirrel dog. And we kill or the neighbor kills uh, on the ground behind my house where dogs run on every day. Every day there are dogs on this property. They kill a 160 plus deer or bigger every year. They just, I can't, I can't express enough how much that these dogs have little to no effect on deer movement and how deer yeah. move and why deer move. They, it just doesn't, it just doesn't register. It doesn't bother them. It's not something that's going to, that's going to affect your hunting in any way. Uh, we have, which me and Zane, we're going to record a podcast for the truth series tomorrow night for our monthly recap. And we were going to talk about the same way. There's a property that we hunt that's 400 and I don't know, 475 acres, 500 acres, something like that. It's a great place to start pups. And we hunt it between me and him and Finley and the people that are allowed to hunt it. It's probably hunted two or three nights a week year round, year yeah. round. This is a property that's also leased by two, two gentlemen from West Virginia they pay a lot of money to lease this property. And Zane just texted me yesterday and said they killed another 175 inch deer on that farm. Wow. And they kill, they kill one every year, usually two. It a just piece of property. It is just a doesn't bother. Yeah. It just doesn't it, bother the deer movement. It don't. I'll tell you what, if, if, if deer hunters really 
wanted to, you know, uh, really, really wanted to scare proof their deer, they would let people walk through that property. They would let people coon hunt on that property. It, it's no different than the farmer that goes out to feed his cows every day and they get wildlife is routine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all based on what they get used to. I mean, well, how many times have we seen this isn't, this of, isn't the last of the Mohicans. These deer have seen people. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and and as as Erica said in 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 your post or on your comments, I think on my page or some some post that I made or shared, like they won't even let mushroom hunters in and all this other yeah. stuff. Like I coon hunted the night before, an eighteen point atypical buck was killed on one of the farms that I hunt. It's called a non-typical. I've never heard any. Have not you ever typical. heard it? That's have you ever a, heard anybody a call whiz, a deer an atypical? That's a whisk. That only I'm an not, atypical person calls a deer an atypical I was, buck. Yeah, I was literally going to say because I'm atypical and I'm there you an go. atypical deer hunter because I don't know anything. Check out Dogs Are Treat at dogsartreat.com. And if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code HXP20% off, you will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tie-outs, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartree.com. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the partnership tab and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website from field to field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, non-typical... 18 point the night after I coon hunted. Some right. of our biggest deer have been harvested the night after we coon hunted. And it's the same story everywhere, but these guys just get, I don't know. It do, I don't, I can't fathom it. I don't understand it. And so it's hard for me to quantify it, but I can't express how much the, the dogs, cause we drive to all our trees too. You know, we're we're in there yeah. with rangers, we're in there with side by sides, we're in there with buggies and stuff. We drive to our trees. We're with we got giant ass lights everywhere. And I mean, it ain't like they don't see us coming. But right. it just doesn't it just doesn't affect them. It doesn't. And they can you tell me it I, does, but it doesn't. I think I, think I get a and, little more exercise than you then, Josh. Yes, probably. I have to actually get up uh, and here's I'm, I'm going to tell one quick story that's kind of off the subject. Uh, we were hunting the other night and we were driving the side by side and we got like 150 yards from the dogs and, and Jed wanted to keep going. There's some giant logs in the way 
and I told him not to because he was going to break something. He runs over one of the giant logs. The log comes back, smashes the windshield out of the ranger. And you're talking about guys that get up and, and jog before work. <laughs> and and we, w- we wouldn't go that 150 yards to those dogs because we didn't want to walk. <laughs> I, ran, I ran a 5K this morning before I went to my job, but I didn't want to walk that 150 yards. Jed's the same way. So, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's it's uh it's just a deal where I'll tell you when I'll tell you when the the heat really got turned up is when people started using trail cameras. Yeah. Started out as trail cameras. I say most of the time people didn't even know there were people on their property. Exactly. Night they had they had no idea that the neighbor's dog came through. They, they yeah. had no idea that you know, the farmer was there the day before because his fence was down. He had to get in there and get his yeah. cows out. Yeah, and they killed yeah. it. They killed, They went in there the next morning. They hunted it like they were in the movie Last of the Mohicans and nobody had ever set foot on that property. They yeah. had no knowledge of any of it. But now they know. And yeah. now it's a problem. And See, I, now it's an excuse for not killing a deer. And I can't speak for big, big tracts of land, you know, out west or something like that. But... In the Midwest, in Wisconsin, Indiana, Missouri, Iowa, these deer are used to people. These deer have seen people. They're not going to be shocked when someone shows up. <laughs> I mean, these deer are smart too. Yes, they once, are. Once the heat, once the heat gets on, I've seen this multiple times. Even killed deer. I hunted. I killed a buck one time like this. But they know that when the pressure is on down on the woods. They move up closer to the civilization. Yeah, they actually you bet. they will they will find a a, a brushy fence row yep. and bed down in that fence row because no deer hunter is going to walk through here and they're using people like a predator shield in that instance. They'll actually hunt that that yeah. that area and you know you see you see guys that uh, are capitalizing on you know hunting in these suburban areas and metropolitan yeah, you'll areas you'll see now. deer like around here they'll be in the golf courses they'll be in crazy places where you never seen them yeah before you know on a, on the wednesday of rifle season or something like that and that's yep. where you just need to be a better hunter mm-hmm. you need to a smart smarter yeah yeah there you go. yeah Yep, smarter hunter and a better hunter and not buy into all the hype and by on everything and by talking about all this we don't want to trespass I mean, we, uh, we don't want to be on your property. Uh, we don't want to be somewhere where we don't have permission. What we want is for uh, we, houndsmen we and deer hunters. Dogs. No, we don't. And we, we don't shouldn't. And we shouldn't We shouldn't have our dogs on your property. If if our dogs are on your property, it's our fault. And if we don't have permission there, you know, we should we should do our best to rectify that situation. But all we want is cooperation, you know, uh, you don't want these coons wrecking your feeders. You don't want all these coons raiding your turkey nests and things like that. We can help with that, and we won't affect your deer hunting. We won't hurt your your hobby in any way, and we'll be respectful, and, we, and we'll close gates, and we won't make ruts, and we'll do things that, that any normal human being should do because we like our sport just as much as a, a hardcore whitetail hunter likes theirs. And we do right. respect the resource. We respect other sportsmen and things like that. And we just want to convey that and we want to work together because if we're not going to work together with deer hunters or, or 
any other kind of sportsman, quail hunters, beagles, or mushroom hunters, Lauren mentioned earlier, then, then we're all going to be in deep shit here before long, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I've got a question that, to ask. Yes. Go ahead. So we've got, you know, hound, all types of houndsmen, terrier people, dogmen on this, uh, on, you know, you listening to this, you know, coyotes and deer are mortal enemies. What do you think about coyote hunting with dogs and how that affects things? The deer hunting has, has shut. There's a lot of people. Yeah. Go ahead, Lauren. Is she trying to answer her own question? (laughs) No, there's a lot of people out here that won't run their dogs on coyotes until that deer season's done. Yeah. Well, the deer, the deer hunting has kind of shut down the coyote hunting in my area because coyote hunters need a huge swath of land. Coyotes make very large circles. They, they, they cover a lot of ground when you're looking at a place like where we live, where most farms are 200 to down to 10 acres. Uh, you're going to have to have permission on uh, an entire section, which may, which may be 10 landowners and it's hard to do. Same yeah. And yeah. so the coyote hunters are kind of, uh, secluded to pens and things like that down here where there used to be, say when I was in high school in the mid nineties, late nineties, uh, everybody had coyote hounds, but about that time, that's when, the deer hunting kind of took off and 40 acres got leased here and 40 acres got leased there. And and that was the end of it. Does it affect the deer hunting? No, it does not. We know that as houndsmen. Uh, but you know, deer hunters don't know that they don't understand that. And in the deer hunters defense, some of the coyote guys have really didn't, wasn't, wasn't their, yeah, they just, they just, Thrown throat with stuff like that too, because they didn't work with the deer hunters when they should have. Hey, 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 hey! Your mic came unplugged or something. I'll tell you what. While you're while you're fixing that, I'll I'll um, we'll do a sound check or something here. You hear me right now? now? Oh yeah, much better. Okay. So so let's get some takeaways on this because I think where we've made most of our inroads with this podcast is equipping houndsmen that are out there to develop a narrative to talk about some of these things so it doesn't turn into a screaming match at the fence line mm-hmm. or the game game warden yeah, showing I, up. Are, can I, can I, I finish? I think all of us can kind of pull. Somebody needs to no. cut her off. No more spotted cows for long. It's number four. Yeah. So, okay, Lauren, go ahead and what's your opinion no. on – on how we how we develop this narrative. What are some takeaways that houndsmen can can use to try to bridge these gaps in their local areas? So I think a lot of us, if not all of us, can pull from personal experience and kind of explain what we've observed, what we've seen in the woods, and also how we've trained and, and broke our dogs. And explain that and educate those landowners or those leases, those hunters as to what we're seeing, because yeah, okay. They've got cell cams out, but they're not, they're not seeing the whole woods like we are every night or every, you know, for me, like four nights a week, I've been hunting recently. Right. So I think, yeah, go ahead. Josh, what do you think? 
Uh, you've got you've put a lot you've you've done some shows on this on big show productions. We do, we just got to make relationships. Most of these guys, most of these deer hunters are good dudes. They really are. They just want to enjoy their sport just like we do ours, and they're ignorant to what we do. Uh, and not that they're ignorant people, but they're ignorant to what uh, running a hound is. And so we just need to show them. Uh, we need to show them that we're just regular folks. We need to knock on their doors. We need to go eat supper with them. We need to help them. And if we just work together and you make relationships, all our property is deer hunters. I mean, 90% of the stuff we hunt is lease deer hunting, is guides, is outfitters, is things like that. And and they just know after we built a relationship what kind of people we are and, and what we're doing, and, and it doesn't affect them much. So the best thing I can tell a houndsman that's in deer country is be respectful, go knock on doors, go make relationships, go make friends with these people and explain to them what we are and, and how we go about doing things and you, everything else will take care of itself. Yeah. One of my, one, uh, that's great, inf- great advice. Both of you, um, you know, the problem, the problem with trying to explain how we, we hunt our deer or hunt our hounds and things like that is they don't believe us, mm-hmm. but so they need it. They need that personal because touch. they haven't seen it, right? So they have no exposure to it. They have personal feelings about how that goes. Now, when when I was working as a conservation officer, it started every year about this time of year. The landowner complaints would come in, you know, about neighbors having tree stands too close to the line a neighbor having dogs that are running loose neighbors that are doing this and they wanted me to come out and talk to their neighbor and my answer was very standard it's like have you talked to your neighbor have you been a have you been a neighbor to your neighbor and in this area where i live Right now, um, you know, the, the camps are starting to, to be habitated. You know, people are moving in and you're seeing the deer hunters there. Man, stop in there during the day, midday, you know, invite them over for, to your house for a, a cookout. And not so that you can go in there and hunt that night. That's going to be an unrealistic expectation. They're not going to want you to do that. But they get that personal touch they know that there's a person that turned that dog loose and and even if it's not your dog and it's lauren's dog or it's josh's dog they they're probably going to think hey man that could be chris's dog and i we ate dinner at his house and we drank a couple beers with him he's a good dude and he loves hunting just as much as we do but we're never going to get there by sitting back in our own little echo chambers and griping about the other side and yeah we we went on a rant and I still think the whole thing is because guys are scared of their wives about spending so much money and not killing deer. <laughs> but we've got we've got to come. We've got to be the people that step forward. And yeah. it's just yeah. a misconception that people need to understand. And you know, it's partially our fault for not like educating and not and and more being on the defense about it or getting angry or whatever it is instead of being a little bit more proactive i think yeah yeah we can't be like barney five you know and sensitive 
I'm not sensitive. We mean I'm being defensive. I'm Talk being about defensive. hey, age yourself without telling me how old you are, Chris. I literally <laughs> have hey, man, no you, idea. What Lauren has no idea who what, Barney Lauren, is. You just need to mute yourself right now because <laughs> you mean all um, the time. If I wasn't, if I hadn't spent so much time with my grandparents, I wouldn't have known that either. Get you, get out of here! If man, my kids all know who. Otis Campbell and Barney Fife and all of them are. Well, I bet they do, Chris. I have, I apparently, yep. I need to have a conversation with my parents and be like, oh, apparently you didn't raise me, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, guys, this has been a... I, I know we've talked about this stuff before, but I don't think we can talk about it too much. There isn't any more thing more important than, than having good, positive relationships and a good public image. And uh, we had some fun. And... Some of it was kind of serious, but some of it was uh, all in fun too. So we we're often the victims of of a lot of stereotypes and things from the other parts of the hunting community. So we didn't want to pass up the opportunity on this platform to put some of it out there ourselves. Yeah, we like to stereotype people every now and then ourselves, just That's in it. case. That's just right. in case. Yeah, it's not that I don't like Sitka gear. It's mostly I just don't like the guys that wear Sitka yeah, gear. <laughs> When you said that, I immediately was going to say Sitka, but I didn't. I didn't know if there were some legal obligations here or not. I think, I think like everyone in the outdoor world has something yeah, to say in that regard. They do. They yeah. do. Especially because I still waterfowl hunt a lot. And man, the waterfowl guys, you're either Sitka or you're poor. <laughs> There's no other options. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, hey. We're going to wrap this one up and uh, put it in the bank. So, Josh, good luck on your new job, man. Thank you. Thank With you. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Chip Chip needs a lot of help. Hey, Chip and Chip and Wade have been great so far, and I start here pretty soon. It's a, it's a new chapter, and I, it – just like you guys with the podcast and us with the podcast, if we didn't believe in Joy, we wouldn't be doing this, and Joy wouldn't be a sponsor, and I wouldn't be going to work for them. It's a, it's a good company, so yeah. I'm excited. They they definitely need more distributors, a little more yeah. exposure. They got such a good product. Great. Yeah, they yeah. got such a good product. We just need to get it out there. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, till next time, you follow your hounds, I'll follow mine. Deal. <laughs>